Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Real Talks podcast. This week in the science room of Skullpole in Limerick, I got a fascinating insight into the mind of Claire's Carol O'Leary, who outside the comfort of the classroom has become one of the leading voices demanding and creating meaningful change for female sport in Ireland. Like many, Carol's passion for the GA took hold at a young age, but her development into the authentic and inspiring leader she is today wasn't without complications. Over the course of this conversation, we talked about the search for self-confidence, the difficulty in trying to fit in, and how turning to drink and failing college eventually forced her to look within for answers that she craved. We also chatted about the power of life coaches, social media pressures, and how important it is to appreciate and respect the uniqueness of others. This podcast is brought to you by the Women's Gaelic Players Association, in conjunction with Pat the Baker. Their partnership through the Be Healthy Whole Meal Loaf actively supports ladies football and camogie players in every inter-county squad. The WGPA Player Development Programme provides services such as scholarships, careers advice and counselling to help members be their best in both their personal and professional lives. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget there are 17 previous podcasts with top-class GA heroes like Kevin McMenamin, Ushin McConville, Eamon McGee, Cora Staunton, Breeze Corkery and Noel Connors, who discuss so many different life lessons that they've learned over the years. You can find them on iTunes or SoundCloud by searching for Real Talks or just head over to realtalks.ie. My name is Alan O'Mara and you are listening to episode 18 of the Real Talks podcast with Carol O'Leary. I was going to start, so over the last couple of days I was obviously looking up things online and reading different things and match reports and <laughs> it was one of the funnier ones I've come across but I just need to ask, do you know who edited your Wikipedia page? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't, but I I do feel like it was some students who have yeah. passed through this room because, um, no, I, I've got a lot of feedback about my puns and yeah. their failure to be funny. No, I got a good, I got a good joke. <laughs> it was like, uh, so they say loads of nice things and all you've won and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, uh, so they mentioned cat aficionado. And uh, so it's. So if it's a school student, they're obviously tuned into their English. But um, and as like is now a science teacher and makes many awful puns. Yeah. But now I got that one out of the way, I'll, I'll start off properly. Yeah. Um, look, I know from the one thing that really struck me as I was reading was just the different levels that you've played at, so football and camogie. For Claire, um, huge success with your club. I suppose we're just going to start off just taking it all the way back to the beginning and sort of. Was sport something from an early age that you recognised you had a passion for, and was was something that you were good at? Um, yeah, definitely it was something from an early age anyway, you know, everyone in my, we were always out in the lawn playing, playing hurling and, and things like that, but I wouldn't say I was always really good at it either. You know, I tried really hard and I was training really hard and, you know, I'd be out hurling every day, but, um, yeah, like that in primary school, we had loads of encouragement and that was probably a huge thing. And, you know, I was always kind of, like I went to a tiny primary school, but, from there... How small are we talking? Like, I had seven in my class and it was right. the biggest in the school. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we went from there, then I went into secondary school and that was probably the start of it because, like, the our secondary school camogie team was probably the most professional setup I've been in. And, you know, we had a great man, Cullum Handley, and was over us. And honest to God, you wouldn't believe it, we were training weekends, midterms, you know, before school, after school, it was just unbelievable. And the amount of time and work he put into every one of us was was unbelievable. And, you know, you can see the progression. So many girls from that team went on to play camogie with the Clare Senior Camogie team. And, you know, Chloe Morey was one of the girls mm. on that team. She's gone to get an all-star and the same with Moira McGrath. And, you know, I think that was the huge kind of catalyst in my in my sporting uh, career was was Caymans like you know in, in Camogie and football Jerkeen was was kind of the man who got me playing football in, in Caymans and giving me a bit of direction what to actually do with it <laughs> and not just get it and kick it so um, no definitely I was really lucky in the people who I met kind of along the way and, and my coaches and in my own club as well you know we had so much support and we were lucky in that as we went up along, we won every championship kind of in front of us in both codes. And, you know, it's very easy to keep playing and, and keep training when you're winning so much. Mm. Yeah, the winning feeling obviously definitely helps. But it, was, it was interesting, so that sort of, you start to play first year in secondary school and obviously 
that's a big transition for everybody when they're leaving. So if it's a small primary school like you were coming from, yeah. you're stepping into a bigger environment where you've gone from being, say, the oldest in the school to the youngest. We all relate to that because we all sort of been through it in a different way. But it was like, was it with Camogie around that time? Obviously, the environment was good, but it was that. Was that a place where you maybe you found a little bit of that sort of belonging and sort of a group of people that you, you blended in with or fit in with? That's Definitely, sense. yeah. I think all of my friends that I even have still are mm. all from that under 12 and under yeah. 14 Kamogi team that we went up along with. And, um, you know, I think that was it. You know, we were lucky that we were so involved and so intense that, you know, we were such good friends. We were spending every day together. And that was really my only interest in secondary school mm. then was camogie and football and, you know, the books were kind of a backseat <laughs> <laughs> with that. Yeah, that's the one, uh, it is one of the beauties about, I suppose, sport in school and that you get that time away. And it's probably the first time you get that sort of, you know, if it's trips away to games and sort of being, being, a, being a group. Um, but that, that was obviously something that, that stuck with you and, and it progressed for you. Um, I suppose towards the end of school, You've, you've come in first year you've, you've had that experience and you really like it you've clicked in towards the end of school then is it something that's become more serious in your own life and are you taking it more serious by that stage yeah definitely I think it was number one um, and especially you know I started playing senior camogie at my club when I was 13 and we were winning championships you know my first year on the panel we got to an All-Ireland club final mm. and and would you get were you playing at this age group or? Um, I was would have been kind of a on and off the team yeah. at that age group. But you're running around. So from there, like, you know, that was maybe second year, I'd mm. say. And from there then, I was on the, you know, making the senior team after that. And I was coming into a setup where everyone was so serious. And it was, it was just a natural thing was to win championships. Mm. And it was a natural thing was to just, you know, to work so hard. So like that, that was, it was brilliant to be introduced to that culture. And I was really lucky. And, Definitely, it got really serious in that, you know, I would be totally obsessed with it in fifth and sixth year and <laughs> probably reflected in my leaving certain results as well. But, um, and I was, you know, I was playing with a, a good Clare under 14 and then under 16 teams. You know, we won an under 16 All-Ireland with Clare football and we won an under 16 Munster A Championship as well. And, you know, it was, again, like that, it was just every night was was training and all that kind of stuff. When I was, I was reading a piece you did with, I think it was Marie Crow for the Irish Independent. I think, I think it was that one, but it was a line in it that was, you found the cornerback slot at an early age and never budged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you talk me through that one a little bit, because obviously, like I would get it a bit myself, so people say like, yeah, when you start playing goals, like that's mad, why would you want to be there? And sometimes cornerbacks get that yeah. too. Talk to me a little bit about sort of what it was that appealed to you, that, even from a young age. Yeah. And, and even to this day, what it is about that position that you like well, and enjoy. in... Primary school, you know, I obviously I thought I was, you know, the bee's knees and was playing midfield and wanted to be everywhere. And then um, when I went into primary game, I was put cornerback. And from there then in every Clare team I've been in, it's been cornerback up along, just left cornerback the whole time, you Did know. Did they change so, number two and four? Or you yeah, just no, the same four, number? <laughs> four. Every Clare jersey yeah, has number four. But, um, no, I... You know, of course, the, like you, you want to, in some games, you know, you want to say, oh, I want to get in the action, you know, whereas then as you get older, it's, you know, it's nice to have that kind of comfort in where, you know, you know where you're going to be and you know what your job is and you'll be ma marking the same girls as you go up along mm. as well and, and things like that. And I think really cornerback is kind of a, it's more of a mental position than a physical position a lot of the time. And it is about your mental strength and, you know, getting on top of an opponent and kind of, you know, not being afraid to, to drive on then from there. Like, you know, and if something does, it does go wrong, you have to kind of get it all going again and get your head up and get everyone else organised again as well. So, um, yeah, I was lucky enough that it used to be great. It was a real novelty playing there for Clare. And then when I go back to my club, I get to run around a small <laughs> bit again. But this year they put me back in the full back line again. I said, I must be slowing down a bit. <laughs> that I'm, I'm there now for good. It, 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 you sort of, you touched upon it there and that, the mental side of it, um, of our games when you're playing. And there is that type of, if it's the spoiler type or if it's the creative type. And, and, there, and there's, 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 loads of different ways to play probably every position um but as as you found your own your own style was it embracing that that mental side of it and that 
is it the spoiler type or just trying to get a better sense of where you're coming from with that? Definitely. I think that I was always really confident and, you know, I would have really good support from home and, you know, they'd say, oh, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going <laughs> to get inside our head, you know, and um, that's always something that um, I kind of looked on now is, you know, that I'm not panicking about anything. I'm just really confident in myself and I know myself that, yeah, I know what I'm I'm here to do and mm-hmm. I'm... I know what I'm going about, you know. So yeah. um, definitely, I think that a cornerback. Anyway, I'm I'm looking to try and keep scores to a minimum. Anyway, but uh, yeah, definitely not letting anyone get the better of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, I said, and I was reading that piece, that same piece that I referenced there, at Marie. One of the things that it jumped out at me was that was brought up, and you might explain it or might push it back on it a little bit, but just. You got called up to the Clare Senior Panel in 2009, but you chose to let to leave it soon afterwards. And just the reason that I'm sort of, the angle that I'm coming at here from is even in the previous couple of minutes you've been talking there, like the passion that you have for playing and the enjoyment you get, like it oozes off you, like just big smiles on your faces and you're thinking of different things. And I it just, it's curious because I think like a lot, lots of us will go through at different times when we question when we're playing and what's going on and what's happening. What was going on with yourself at that time that, you know, because you were only in the door as a young person and for, it probably was, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it probably was the dream to an extent that I was yeah. to get in there. Yeah. And then when you got there, there was a decision to leave. So what? Yeah. Um, so I went from, like you said, it was the dream. You know, I, I'd gone all the way up along. And, you know, when I was minor, I was playing with the, the clear second team, the intermediate team. And then, you know, I got asked to play with the seniors and I was delighted. And I went in and I was training hard, but I started college that, that year as well. I was starting in UL. And... To be honest with you, I was just drinking mad the whole time. My lifestyle went totally off the rails. And I, I'd i moved in with a lot of people that I, you know, I, I knew them and I didn't really, mm. they wouldn't have been great friends of mine at the time. And I was kind of surrounding myself with people who, they weren't, you know, they weren't in that, in those kind of circles. And they were right. totally, had different lifestyles to what I would have come from. And... I, yeah, like that, I, I totally lost the run of myself. Mm. I was out uh, every night of the week and, you know, I didn't even know what I was doing. It wasn't like I was happy and that I was loving it. I was just, I was just kind of going with the flow. And, mm. um, you know, at the time I was still hurling well. I didn't see that it was taking any any um, kind of effect on me. And I got my, my debut against Galway. It was my first, you know, my first start, first round of the league, delighted. And I went out and I got absolutely destroyed. Now, we got destroyed as a team, but um, I got taken off. And, you know, that was, you know, I was upset, but I stayed with it and I was still training all the way and I didn't didn't play another minute of the league anyway. And, you know, it was taking its toll. We were Mm. losing most matches by 20 or 30 points at the time as well. And, you know, as we went in after... Why was that? Why Why was it not firing so badly? It was just at the time Claire right, okay. Camogie was really, we'd come up from junior to yes. senior okay. and we'd skipped, you know, yeah. a division and things and it just wasn't, we didn't have what okay. it took at the, at the time. So like, you know, we were going to Wexford and getting hammered mm-hmm. and, and Cork and everywhere. And um, yeah, so like as that was going along, I was basically just, I'd lost the run myself and I decided anyway, no, I've had enough of this. I was, I was packing it in and... I did. And then, you know, I think everything kind of fell apart at that time. I, you know, that had been the one thing that I had really wanted and had really Mm. strived for. And then, you know, I ended up failing first year of college as well. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing with myself or, you know, I didn't know what I wanted. I had kind of said, oh, you know, it's only Kamoki like, but I was only just trying to tell myself that like as well. And, um, uh, to be honest, I was really lucky that summer came and I moved home. Got back home. And again, I was going back training really hard with my camogie and football team in my club. And we went on, we had a, a good year. We we won the um, senior camogie and we won our football championship as well. And that was grand. I went and I did my repeats, failed them. And again, you know, it wasn't getting much easier, but... I remember, like, you know, my father would be very, very cross, man, when he'd have to be. And <laughs> I remember, like, you know, telling him I failed my repeats. And I was worried he'd be cross, but it was even worse as he was just, you know, he didn't get cross at all. He was just disappointed. Yeah. And 
he was like, what are you going to do with yourself? And I, I just remember not knowing what I was going to do. So I decided anyway, um, I'd go back and I repeated first year and I was only repeating one module at the time. So it was about four or five, uh, four or five hours a week. And it was, you know, very handy, but... But you're back living in Limerick again, you're not... No, I was living at home. Oh, you stayed yeah. at home, okay. Yeah, yeah. and um, that was grand. I went back and I was playing with... You. I went playing with UL and... I was really delighted I got asked to play football for Clare mm. that year. And that was probably the big, huge change in my life um, because, you know, it really, you know, I was really shocked, to be honest, that we got asked. We'd won the Intermediate Championship and um, I didn't see it coming at all. I had never really thought that I'd be playing senior football. And But I, I said, yeah, grand, I'd give it a go. You know, I had a lot of free time. So I went playing it and it was brilliant. It brought me to a level of fitness I'd never been at before. And it really got me to to refocus and, you know, look at what I wanted. And to be honest, everything really picked up from there. Like mm. it was it was the start. Um, you know, I went and I played with UL then for the for the year and Again, you know, I was still, I was expecting to be asked back to Clare Camogie the following year and I wasn't. Right. And it was, it was difficult because a lot of my clubmates had been asked and, mm. you know, I knew, I knew the people thought I was a bit of a loose cannon. Right. right? But I did, I, I thought I was good enough and, you know, it was disappointing, but I was, we ended up, we won the league with, with Clare ladies and, you know, I had a good, a good year with them and I got to meet so many great people as well. Then the following year we went on and I didn't get asked to play for Clare Camogie again. Mm. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, geez, like we'd won probably two or three championships with the club and I still wasn't been asked. And uh, we played a challenge match between UL and Clare Camogie that, that um, winter and I said I was going out for blood anyway. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> um, after the match they ended up... the. Well, poor soul, really you're marking that. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, I was really lucky that John Carmody had just taken over the team that year. And he came up to me after the match and he asked me to play to play Camogie. And I said, oh, you know, I'm I'm still playing with Clare footballers. Mm. And he said, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I want you. And I went and thankfully I've been there since, you know. But definitely it was hard and, you know, it has its ups and downs and everything like that but that was the the start of my Clare Camogie really then yeah from then I suppose before we move on to that sort of I think you mentioned the word there sort of the change or where, yeah. where there was a change as such be yeah. it in your own mind or be it in general like just sticking with that I suppose that first year in college with the trend yeah. and it is a, it's a difficult transition for yeah. an awful lot of people and one that loads struggle with yeah. um so what was the what are the reasons that you feel there is a struggle there because it's something I know like I know a lot of young people listen to this too and um, this podcast and look I do work in schools too and I'm always trying to prepare especially leaving search where it's like listen things are going to change yeah. and change is good at times yeah. and you're going to grow and evolve but by nature a lot of people do struggle um in particular first year in college what do you think it is about that or what is the difficulty there when I was in secondary school again like like I said it was really you know totally obsessed with camogie I knew exactly who I was I knew exactly what I wanted then when I went to college, it was kind of, you know, it was so unfamiliar. And then it was like, um, you know, I was just kind of thrown in at the deep end of mm. who I was kind of spending all my time with now and like what I actually, what I wanted to do and everything. And I think it was just that I was so unsure of myself. And I don't know what it is. I won't say social anxiety because I'm mm. not, you know, I wouldn't see myself as an anxious person at all. Yeah. And I'd see myself as, you know, pretty outgoing and things but still mm. you know I think there's something there that I don't know if I didn't understand if I couldn't get myself across in the way that I wanted and I think it was just a case of I don't know I don't want to say being a sheep but mm. that's what it is really a lot of the time and you know there's so many especially I think in girls um you know between ladies football and camogie there's so many players that you know, come to minor and you think, yes, this is this is going to be our yeah. superstar now. And then it's college finishes finishes mm. people a lot of the time. And I think it's just, you know, there's so much going on and there's so much change that it's, you know, really you have to be so sure of yourself and what you want 
in order to to manage yourself, I think. Um, for me, I was think moving home was probably the best, mm. the best thing, you know. I wasn't eating pot noodle every day either. <laughs> it's probably a probably another factor. But no, I think it is just, you know, I th- and it's not even like, you know, trying to be cool, but yeah. it's just trying to fit in mm. and trying to, you know, to go along with everything else. Like I wouldn't have been a somebody who'd even go out much really before I went to college because it was all camogie and you know I would have been re- young as well going in and then when you go and you have this freedom of yes like you know we'll go out every night and you know it wasn't it wasn't like oh every night was brilliant because it wasn't oh. you know I can tell you now the icon in Limerick gets pretty <laughs> pretty old like but um yeah it was just it was just uh I don't I don't know what exactly you'd call it yeah. like, but it's just a case of not being confident in yourself mm. maybe or something and I think it's only as you get older and you look back that you realize oh Jesus what's it doing all together yeah. like you know but like but, everyone probably like I think everyone probably feels that to some degree yeah um, but I just thought it was a really interesting sort of thing to explore and like you said about trying to fit in like deep down nearly everybody wants to yeah. fit in in some way yeah. shape or form but it's obviously I suppose from what you said like there's a huge you obviously have a huge more sense of self-awareness now and around your identity, say, uh, I'm picking that up off you, yeah. you can tell me you should yeah. up if I'm wrong, but <laughs> I suppose knowing what you know now and having that sort of self-awareness and, and being much stronger and more reassured in who you are and what you're about, if you could go back to that sort of, that younger Carol who maybe is in that house and you are looking around going, what the fuck's going on here and what am I doing here or, or just going to flow? And if I suppose an interesting question to see what you say, but if you could sort of give that person a piece of advice and if you could rewind the clock back, what would you say like? Um, to be honest, I always say that I have no regrets in what's happened mm. or how I have progressed or, you know, and even when the worst things happen, I always say, you know, no regrets and just, it's, it's just another chapter, like, you know, but, um, if I had to go back, I would probably just, you know, be like, what, just, uh, looking at what do you actually want, mm. you know, and how are you going to achieve this? And is this you know, is this actually what you want? Like, you know, mm. why are you doing it kind of a thing? But I think the best thing would probably be, uh, yeah, just like, I suppose, looking at who are you hanging around with as well? Mm. Are these the type of people that you want to be? And you know the way they say, oh, you turn into all these people you hang around with. Yeah. And I definitely think that's 100% true. Mm. Like, you know, in comparison to the people I'd be surrounding myself with since, I'm so lucky that I have so many great friends who are like you know even if they're not sporting yes uh, they are so um successful in different areas of their life and they're so driven and um you know I think that you have to surround yourself with winners to be a mm. winner and that doesn't necessarily mean people with all these medals you know as in yeah. it has to be people who who are looking to move forward the whole time like you know and that they want to achieve something and they want to make a difference you know, and that's not going to be happening in the icon or yeah. in Trinity rooms somewhere like, <laughs> like that. No, like that's a re- like it's a really really interesting point. Like, because like I suppose, and the people maybe you want to hang around with will be very different to who someone else wants to hang yeah. around. And it was it is sort of back to that self awareness thing. And there's not a right or wrong, and an awful lot of these things. And it is around identity. And as you said, sort of what you want and where you want to go. And even as you were chatting there, I remember. I remember watching this documentary, I think it was like the Class 92 or one of them, or something was, Gary Neville was in it, like, and he basically just said that, like, at 16 or 17, he just decided that, like, I'm not hanging around with these people anymore. And I was just thought, like, wow, like, to have yeah. that sort of conviction and that awareness at that age for what he wanted to be. Like, yeah. there, wasn't, there was nothing wrong with these people, they just weren't matching his values and yeah. and his thing. Um, I suppose, like, like... Our teenagers, I suppose when we're teenagers, are we meant to have that? Are we meant to understand that? Or do we have to get lost a little bit to sort of get clarity on it? What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I, to be honest, sometimes when I'd be talking to some of the students, like, you know, I'd be off, going off giving these lectures. And, <laughs> you know, they're only delighted that they don't have to do chemistry for an hour, that it's just me <laughs> waffling on. But, um, you know, I'm trying to be all deep and meaningful, giving them all these um, insights. But I don't know. I think sometimes you have to kind of... Um, you have to, and I wouldn't even call it fail to mm. succeed, but just, you know, you have to learn and you learn by doing a lot of the time. And, you know, I know it can be difficult, but um, 
I, I don't know. A lot of 16 year olds probably can't see that. And especially, you know, I was probably 16 in a pre-social media age as well, yeah. which is I think that social media has just kind of accelerated this want and need to be mm-hmm. accepted and liked and, you know, to, to fit in and stuff. So I think definitely there's probably it's probably getting harder rather than easier at the moment. Is that is the social media thing? Is that something you know, it's even been in and around. Like you're obviously in the school environment every day and it's something that comes up in my radar. Like I only went to school, so I only be there for an hour or two and I'm gone, but even students would raise it with me as well. Um, is that something that you pick up on and notice? Like, Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like if you take a phone off a first year girl, they'll cry, ball crying because you'll ruin their streaks. Mm. And it's just like, this is bananas. You know, that yeah. why, why aren't you eating breakfast? Oh, because I'm doing my streaks and things like that is just crazy. And... Um, yeah, it's totally obsessive. And so even, for anyone that hasn't a clue what we're talking about, yeah, water streaks. Snapchat streaks. There's going to be someone sitting on yeah. this and going, what yeah. are they talking about? But no, I think, um, yeah, it's gone, it's gone crazy. It's gone like, you know, really. And even I find myself like a lot of people my age, like it's sometimes I can be obsessive with, mm. with things as well. Like, you know, but you have to just switch off as well I think it is it's gone totally ridiculous like people don't appreciate anything in life or in real time anymore it's Mm. just all social media and oh better get a picture for Instagram better get a picture for this and yeah it's not just it's not just teenagers you know it's no people (laughs) definitely not yeah all every age group but um no I think definitely that social media is a huge a huge kind of uh, issue for a lot of teenagers now, yeah. Going back to the stage maybe you were in um, when you are having a bit of, like, I'm not going to say identity crisis, but there is that sort of sense of yeah. what am yeah. I at? Where am I going? What am I doing? Um, and it's, you reference there, but the club the, the club at home becomes a real, like a safe haven. I don't, I don't want to use any of them stupid words, but you know, it's, because just, it's a kind of a glue, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or it comes across as a sort of glue that sort of keeps you together when you're trying to figure out the rest of the stuff. Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, no, in like my club, I knew for, since I've been playing with my club, New Market, uh, you know, it has been really a rock of just mm. being steady. And, you know, I've had such great between mentors and coaches and teammates and everyone. Like, you know, it has been great to be able to go back to that all the time because, yeah. you know, and we'll say... I know at that stage in my in my Claire Camogie that was difficult, but like, you know, there's difficulties every year. Like, you know, like even when I could be playing at my best and then all of a sudden it's just, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I'm just, mm. I need a break from this. And, you know, like there'll be times every year that I might need to take a little break or I might need to to just, you know, take, to just, just take a little holiday for myself yeah. or something like that to, you know, save my, to get myself back to where I need to be mm. and things, you know, and like there's always doubts and, and different things. Like, you know, I I broke my foot last year and, you know, I remember I was so confident that in, I had a, had a good league before it and, you know, I broke my foot and then I was, the minute I was coming back from it, I was taking my boot off and it was just doubts. Like, you know, mm. I was taking it off the week before Munster Championship and, you know, doubts that I never would have had before were just setting in because I hadn't played Camogie in, you know, five or six weeks or whatever it was. And, you know, that's when then I need to take a little break and just, you know, reassess it's Camogie, like it's only mm. a game, I'll be fine. And and all those things, like rather than having building it up because mm. of, you know, just watching training for, yeah. for all those times. No, it's an interesting one because like even, so obviously you come from a place where, primary school yeah. and secondary school where it is quite yeah. not all consuming but it's a very prominent part of yeah. the place that you're in and you love it and you embrace it and then obviously college comes along and it's this like big bad world you're thrown into and you're like actually Camogie's only like this little thing in the whole bit look at the big bad world out there look at all these people look at all these things but I suppose it seems that you're sort of at a stage now where like you've got good perspective on both sides and like Camogie or, or football whatever it is each time it's like it's actually your choice now it's not a I have to go there I have to be there it's Am I right? In yeah, that? exactly. That's... No, it is. It is definitely a choice. And like, I don't think you could be doing it if it wasn't something mm. that you really wanted to do and really wanted to be successful in. But yeah, I definitely think that like in the last few years that as I have kind of developed other areas of my life, my camogie has probably gotten better. Mm. And, you know, it's just it's easier to just go out and enjoy it 
and not be stressed about it. I don't have time to to be worried about it and and things and like you know I'm whether it's going to work or whether it's you know going off and planting trees or mm. something yeah. like that like you know I have a lot going on outside of it now and it's it makes it way easier yeah and it is it's brilliant it's such a good balance you know if I lose a match it's not the end of the world I go home and you know I'm straight into something like I'm doing something else and it's not I'm not sitting there thinking about it or anything like that it's it's definitely just a, a part of my life like you know it is a big part and I do put a lot of my time into it and a lot of focus and things, but no, it is, it's definitely a lot healthier mm. mentally and physically, I'd say, having having external interests. When do you think that kind of, like, that awareness of having, say, having other things around you, when did that sort of creep into your mindset and, I suppose, like, where did it come from? Um, well, to be honest, when we were at home, our... You know, I'm I come from a farm and my mm. father would have us out doing something every day and like even we lost the county final this year and that evening my father brought me out to the farm looking at a beehive trying, you know, like as in it's always like he was always keeping us on our feet. And uh <laughs> the same thing, like, you know, once I kind of probably in recent years I've gotten more of my own interests that I have had now that I have a job and a bit of money, it's mm. easier to, yeah, to go yeah. and expand your your interests. Like, but so what are they? Um, we'll say that I would grow a lot of plants and a lot of kind of veg, fruit and veg. In and around things, your home house? In around my house, yeah. yeah. And, you know, like I bought a, a greenhouse and then I went and I have hens and I have ducks and mm. all this kind of, you know, funny stuff. But... Um, yeah, I think it's so much easier when, you know, you have something actually to do. And mm. especially when I have the whole summer off as well at midterms and everything, it's great to have, you know, I, I know what I'm doing during the day and I'm not thinking about, oh, match at the weekend. Like you have to keep busy and things like that as well. Was like that that example you gave there of, of, of a clear passion and a, and a hobby that you have yeah. that's away from sport and it just actually has the ability to zone you out of a load of different shit that'll be wrecking your head yeah. at times. Um, like is that something like, is that something that was always there did you have that from a young age obviously going up on a farm was that something that you yeah definitely um, I was farming every day really for you know from when I was <laughs> when I was born really my mm. mother went after her maternity she went back working in the bank and my father used to be my uh, my babysitter I used to be <laughs> down on, sitting on the floor of the Zetters where they used to have the baby you were his seat. assistant yeah <laughs> and um that was it you know from there I was brought up in the in the tractor yeah. really and um yeah I was farming like even in secondary school I'd be farming all the time and you know what like my father broke his hip at one stage and I used to be milking the cows after mm. school and things and um yeah we went along and then you know I think that was probably something that I lost when I went to college mm. and, you know, it's not cool to be a farmer. That's, like, that's what I was literally going to ask you about. Like. It's, yeah, and even in secondary school, because I went to, like, you know, it, it was a, quite a rural, like it was in Caymans and Shannon and there was a yeah. lot of, like the catchment area would be a lot of kind of rural, Numerica, mm. Six Mile Bridge, Cratlow and things. And, um, you know, I always knew how I was and I was totally mm. happy with it. And, you know, if anybody said anything about farmers, you know, I'd puck the head off them, like, you know, but yeah. then... When I went to sec- or when I went to college, like you know, it's not cool anymore, mm. like and that kind of thing, and that was something that I was probably really sad that I lost a little bit. And then when I went repeating that first year, I was spending my whole time farming yeah, again you and reconnecting that side. Like. Yeah, it was it was great, you know. Mm. And then since there, like to be honest, I probably don't. I wouldn't be at the the level of actual farming with my dad since with Camog- uh, intercounty senior mm. Camogie and football. I'm gone every every evening and every day of the week really but um yeah it was definitely like something that I've kept up the whole way along and and then it's just developed into certain areas like you know um I would start reading books then about all these natural foods and you know all these anti-medicines and anti-chemicals and all this rich coming from a chemistry teacher I know (laughs) but um no I think it's just it's developed it's kept developing and you know it's really snowballed and you know every day I every Saturday I go to the milk market in Limerick I come home with a different plant and it's just you know it's ongoing but yeah it's great you know I suppose like the reason that I 
that I pushed into that one a little bit is exposed the whole even my so I start making these and this is number I'll be on now eighteen like so going back like one of the major things I just wanted to do was just help people understand that like right you might be really good at sport and you're an athlete but you're also like a person too and like what you're talking through there and you obviously have a clear love for that and interest for it like I haven't a clue what you're talking about half the yeah. time like yeah. but like that's a hundred percent like that's yeah. absolutely okay and I can respect that and go like good for you and like what I have will be something different um so as a lot of it comes back I like just to get your opinion on it come back to those sort of teenage or sort of adolescent years and just when you're developing you're trying to figure stuff out like you, you reference once or twice that like sometimes the thing we all do stuff that maybe aren't cool according yeah. to I don't know according yeah. to who um, and like we sort of all let ourselves fall into like you know we grow up watching American TV and American movies and I'm going off on a big tangent here but like so you can have jocks over there and you have the nerds over there and you have like ch- yeah. the cheerleaders over there whatever it may be and I always found even for myself that like as a as a person that was good at sport that like okay I had to hide the other stuff now because I'm in that group and being in that group flames your ego and it gives you attention and identity but like I think it's really really important that if someone's listening or that they don't bury other strands in them if they know that they're there to get yeah, me yeah no definitely I think that you have to you have to be so much more than just one thing like mm. that can't be your whole identity and I think that was something that's really kind of you know, that I've probably only realised in the last few years of like, you know, that you're not just this, like, you know, so then when you get knocked out of the championship, like, who are you? Like, (laughs) what happens? Like, you know, what's life after September? You know, that kind of way. And, you know, even like I have so many friends who are, have no interest in, in sport, like, and they'll still be really supportive of me and, you know, they'll come to some matches and, you know, socialise with people there. But, um, they definitely, I think, you know, it's you're, you have to be so much more than just one label that you put on yourself. Mm. And like, you know, I change from like it still changes all the time. Yeah, like, you I'd know, say it's in keep changing. Yeah, exactly. That's the it has to be dynamic the whole time, mm. you know, and you have to be open to that as well because at different stages, you know, you're different, a different person. Like, you know, I go through stages there. I'll have dreadlocks and <laughs> braids in my hair and all these things, yeah. and then it's like, oh, better tidy myself up again. Like, you know, that kind of way and. Yeah, it is. It is like uh, you know, you have to be open to change as mm. well the whole time. The um, what you, you, you gave good examples there, sort of building yourself up around sport, and obviously, as you said, it still is quite one of those central pillars. Um, and you've referenced f- friends a couple of times there, and having that support network. Is there, is there anything else, sort of in and around there that you've, you've helped, that you've discovered or found along the way? Just what strand of your life that helps bring that balance, helps keep you sane at times, uh, might drive you insane at other times. Um. Well. You know, like I said, I I think actually getting outside sometimes is just what I need to be away from people and, Mm. you know, just have a bit of, you know, independent thinking, I think. Um, But definitely, I personally think, you know, I really love um, education and Mm. I know while I might have had a pretty rocky uh, actual (laughs) education between (laughs) secondary school and college, but it was only when I left that I kind of realised mm. how much I liked it. And, you know, I went back and obviously did the Jim Madden leadership yeah. course with you. And um, I loved that. I thought it was brilliant. And then from there, I went on and I did, you know, like a course in sports psychology. And now I'm doing a master's in nutrition. And right. I just, I love it, you know. Yeah. And I think it is definitely something that I want to keep doing is I love reading, I love learning, like, yeah. you know, and I, what it is, it's stressful and, you know, get sick of writing essays and milk and different things like that at the moment but it is something that I really love and I really value as well and I think it's only when I've left education Mm. that I realise the value in learning and and all of that and yeah I really I really do appreciate kind of you know just opening my mind to different Mm. ideas like you know rather than just being you know oh no this is what's the way it is like you know so yeah definitely I think that would be something that I, I find really interesting is just reading and yeah, just kind of opening my eyes a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, like it's it's obviously it's part of your own growth and development. Yeah. But just that, like what was the first kind of education experience that you sort of the penny drops you like, oh like I can actually enjoy this or I can like I'm doing stuff here that's that's yeah. exciting, that it's like empowering. Because like school, like obviously we're sitting in the classroom here and yeah. having this, but like <laughs> you don't always get that in school because yeah. you sort of, you have to yeah. be there and then you can sort of go to a college course and you're not sure what you signed up for. When did, what what was the education choice? That, and yeah. I use the word choice on purpose because you obviously choose to go back. Where, 
what was the one that sort of flipped you and said, actually, I can enjoy this? And to be stuff? honest, when I was in probably maybe third or fourth year of of my undergrad doing science teaching, I I loved it. Like, you know, I, loads of people were getting really stressed out about mm. exams and I was just loving it. You know, I loved going and we were doing modules like biochemistry and things and everyone's, oh, it's so hard. Stressed like, you know, and <laughs> I was actually like, I couldn't wait to, to know about it. Like, mm. you know, and I... Like there was loads of different aspects that we did because, you know, it's it's a very broad course. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. And even afterwards, I was saying, oh, I'd love to go back and do a, a master's. But I wasn't sure of what okay. area like I didn't yeah. I didn't know what to focus on. So I didn't want to just go back. And of course, I wanted money and, you know, yeah. the job is going to be so much easier and everything. But then I got to the job and <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but so I decided anyway to go back with with nutrition because. In my undergrad course, I think I'd really loved that whole kind of biochemistry area. And um, then when my other interests kind of fold mm. into that as well, with the, you know, pushing veg on people and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But um, it is kind of all interlinked in some, mm, some bit of a way. But um, yeah, that would, I think that's the, that was the real kind of, actually starting to enjoy it yeah. rather than having to do it. No, it's obviously like it's like it is part of your growth and sort of development and each one probably leads to the next yeah. one and you know um adds in. I suppose like the the Jim Madden leadership program that you referenced there, I suppose, is, is something that was a joint GPA, WGPA initiative. Um and obviously we were in the same class on that well, that was year two. And look there's been actually a couple of the others on the podcast have done it as well. Noel Connors did it. It's one Kev Mack, two, Michael Fenley, three, um, someone else, um, have a, Brenda Marden as well. So there's actually quite a few. Um, what was it or, What was it about that sort of thing that you enjoyed? Yeah, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know what I was signing yeah. up for with it. I had seen that, you know, I'd seen like one picture up from <laughs> the previous class and I was like, oh, what are they doing? But... Um, I looked and anyway, I applied. I just said, oh, it'd be lovely for the CV, you know, yeah. perfect teaching Booster. CV. Yeah. And um, to be honest, it was such a game changer. It was absolutely unbelievable. I I started off and again, you know, just expected to go and on the first day, like, you know, mm. didn't want to be asked any questions, yeah. didn't want to have to Leave speak. me alone. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, hi, you know, whatever. And um, I kept looking at the floor. But no, it was... It was only kind of as you got into it. And I think the best part of it for me was the, I met with my coach. So mm. again, didn't want to meet with the coach. Right. Well, what was your initial apprehension to meeting the coach at Adventure? I just thought it was going to be a lovey-dovey yeah, kind of airy, thing. And I didn't know, I didn't know what to expect. Okay. And anyway, I went down and we had no plan of what mm. we were talking about. And he said, do you know what, what do you want to talk about? And we met in, in the horse and jockey near Thurdis and... That was grand. I just said, oh, no, no, there's nothing I want to talk about. And we're sitting in the lobby anyway, and, you know, I was, I was looking around, looking at people, looking at us. And um, we started chatting anyway. He told tell me a few things about yourself. And yeah. um, two hours later anyway, I was sitting there bawling, crying on the couch. And I was like, I came out and I rang. Uh, I know I was I was text Chloe Mori and Orla Duggan who were on the courses and I was like, don't what? go don't go <laughs> I said like, what just happened you know but um, and what did just happen yeah, Why? I don't know what? I was just we we talked about everything you know I talked to him about um, school and college and you know different things that had happened and um, you know I talked about my family and loads mm. of personal things as well and you know I, I don't know I didn't expect it anyway but yeah. it was brilliant and then after that, I think no matter what it was, I would consult with him about, mm. you know, so like I was coming for my job re-interview to get, to get my job in the second okay. year here. And, um, you know, I, I rang him and it was brilliant that I was able to talk to him about that. I was able to talk to him about, you know, if I was really like whatever it was, mm. you know, I could kind of get his opinion on it and... You know, he wouldn't say a lot in terms of, he wouldn't never say, oh, this is what you need to do. Yeah. He would just like kind of lead me along with questions. Mm. And then I'd be like, oh, no, this is yeah. what I need to do. But um, I think that was that was a brilliant resource because I wouldn't have been very open talk, mm. talking about certain things. And um, I think that was probably one of the 
that was a real turning point for me in that it's okay to talk about these things. Yeah. And, you know, I really opened up then about certain topics. Mm. And um, then along with that, you know, I think it was obviously very good to be able to, some of the speakers were really good and the that interview process yeah. was as bad and all as it was, it was really good. And um, no, I think it is definitely, I, I recommend it to so many people. And yeah. in Clare Camogie, like Meyer McGrath did it this year as well. And I think there's more girls have applied for it because there's been such good feedback mm. from the three of us that did it. Like, like it obviously, um, because all the people, you do a leadership course and everything's going to be slides everywhere. Yeah. Like this is how to be a leader. Like look at Alex Ferguson, look at Steve Jobs, all these fellas. But like, what you're saying there it was actually a much more internal thing and actually challenging you a yeah, little bit maybe yeah definitely and I think you know I was expecting that as well that right these are the slides learn them off yeah. and we'll do a test and that's fine like you mm. know I'm able for that but I didn't really like at the start when it was that kind of up in the air I was thinking oh god like what is this yeah. but no it was brilliant it was like much more than I could have ever mm. imagined it would be. And it was along with actually looking at myself as a leader and looking at other leadership qualities, you know, like I remember going home and like any like meeting I'd go to, it could be at a club executive and I'd be thinking, this is such a terrible leadership quality, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like such like, you know, I was, I was really sizing up everyone after that. But um, <laughs> no, it is in that front as well. It is really good. And, yeah. you know, even, you know, you think to yourself at times when I want to go and roar at everyone at training, like, mm. you know, I think, right, that's not the best thing not to do, like, thing, or whatever it is, you know, and different situations you think, okay, like, this is how mm. we need to deal with different people differently and whatever. But it does highlight a lot of, a lot of things and it really does develop you personally as a leader, but I think it gets you to think about yourself a lot as well. And, you know, yeah, yeah it was, it was really, it was an eye opener. It was that really good. Is. That process with the coach, you say that you are, and you reference there, so you go in and you are probably to an extent a bit of a closed book. You're set, like yeah. you are, yeah. and you're sitting there, and so he, the whatever, whatever way he's leading those questions, he's unhinging you slowly but surely. Because yeah. like, there's a general perception. Um, look, this I obviously call this podcast real talks. It's something I really believe in, and having conversations and shooting the breeze and saying what you think. But like, there's a general perception, and I know when you went to schools all the time, girls really good at talking, lads really bad at talking. But like what you're saying there is actually. It's challenging that a little yeah. bit, and because that's a, everyone always says, that, "Oh, you girls are way better." Like, but yeah. like but you said, there it was actually uncomfortable talking about like if it was work or family or sport. Yeah. Um. I so the reason, because I, I finished off a close question off this was like I was, I was trying to explain the coaching to someone recently, and he was like, "It sounds like counselling," and I was like, "Well, like." It's not like because I was like, but okay, I can understand that point of view, but the re it's a proactive space where it's like actually I found it was solutions focused is that something that you would have found agreed with or am I gone off the radar yeah no definitely like it was like you know we looked at those we set out a plan and looked at those things that we could actually achieve and like they were you know obviously when we got given that first that you know you had to fill it out it's like okay uh, yeah and you know just make up whatever <laughs> like something that I was never going to do and then actually <laughs> when I spent some time with him and we talked about things that could change in my personal life and my family life and you know, it was, it was brilliant. It mm. was really, really, yeah, it's, it is, I know, like, say sometimes he probably thought I needed counselling and <laughs> he probably was referring me, but, um, no, it definitely is, it is focused in, um, in actually, set, like, helping you to achieve a goal, we'll say, yeah. and in how to help you about it and, and things, but, you know, it is, it was definitely brilliant, yeah. Mm. It was really Are good. those... Are those learnings you took from, not just that phase, but in general that you've had, like, have they, I suppose, informed you and even made, do you feel has made you a better teacher? Like, Definitely, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think it's really, like, opened me up a lot to, um, you know, just being willing to speak to people openly and mm. that it's not, you know, like, um, I'd be pretty easy going in terms of talking to the, the students anyway and... Um, but no, definitely, like, I try and get them to do way more now and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I think it it is like, you know, when I'd be coming home, I, I came home from the, the first day and on the Monday I came in and tried to do the the clapping right. that we did with, what was your name? David Brophy. David Brophy. Yeah. So where he came into the room, said nothing and was clapping and I did it with a sixth year chemistry class go? and it failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> they all looked at me. There was one German exchange student. Miss O'Leary's lost the plot. <laughs> there, was, there was one German exchange student in the class and she clapped 
and then everyone else looked at her so she stopped clapping and it was just me and yeah it was um, yeah no it was really good I think it definitely uh, got me to try a lot of things and yeah. be open to being wrong and that it's all okay and you know that kind of stuff but no, like, like the reason I bring up the teaching thing is that um like I know you'd hear all the times like the GA player says to a teacher like you literally see half the room roll their eyes and say oh not another one handy job uh, like summer's off player game don't really do that but like there's obviously a whole different strand of teaching where like you guys you are by nature a lot of the time good role models and people that students look up to um, but actually being able to be that positive sort of influence or I don't know what the, what the best way to phrase is but is that something that you value and appreciate in the role that you're in now? Definitely yeah I think really it's probably more value to the student to be to show um, your kind of I won't say vulnerability but mm. like that you are an individual and that you have you know different interests as well and that it's okay like not to be perfect as well like you know is anybody really yeah exactly (laughs) that you're not trying to put up this front and stuff yeah um, so she's been real like about it yeah yeah definitely I think yeah it is you know it is a really important position to kind of show kids and um you know even show other teachers that it's okay to do certain Mm. things and to to be happy with yourself like you know and that that it's more important than you know their grades really yeah and um I think sometimes it can be hard to to be a role model the whole time and mm. especially like, you know, it's probably not an issue really with Camogie and Ladies Footballers because, you know, very few people would recognise you, mm. right? But um, I think it is a lot of pressure for people who can't go outside their door, like if they're a well-known hurler or, or footballer and things, they can't let their guard down at any stage and stuff like that, you know. But um, it is... It is hard sometimes, um, but no, definitely, I think, yeah, you have to try and be a role model and that brings pressure as well sometimes, like, you know, but no, I think, I think sometimes when, uh, in my club, it's hard to try and be a role model when, you know, I want to be, I might be getting sent off or, you know, yeah. doing something stupid as well, but, you know, yeah, you have to try and try and show them something positive to aim towards anyway. Yeah, I get the sense that like, um, obviously we like we we'll go back to what I said earlier on is that like athletes are just people too and like so they don't do the right thing all the yeah. time like and if they get sent off like, it's, like yeah. what about it like um, or if they're out on the town on Saturday night and hammered like, well that's their business like so I suppose like because by nature like, sometimes are held to like separate yeah. standards maybe but I suppose like more importantly in terms of like that's sort of the negative some, some of the negative stuff that we can give out about but like sticking on the positive side and even I get the impression that like say this conversation we've had here today and like you mentioned vulnerabilities there talking through different things and different like different times of your life like I get the impression that if I had to try to have this conversation with you five years ago that you would have like pegged it out the door and been oh, like definitely. go away is that a <laughs> yeah. fair like well no it would just be you know <laughs> the, the cliche oh you know we train really hard and you yeah. know I love my club and my county and all this but yeah definitely I think in the last you know it's been a slow progression and it's been different things at different stages that have been changing but yeah definitely I've I think I've opened up a lot in Mm. being willing to speak to people about different things and that's just confidence in myself that you know I'm happy with who I am and I'm not you know even with the whole college thing, you know, I went through that, oh, I just changed courses or I just, you know, this yeah. or that. Like, I didn't want to see that I had failed because, you know, I felt that was a really bad reflection on me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was embarrassed for myself. I was embarrassed for my family. And the same thing when I left the Clare Camogie panel, I was embarrassed when I wasn't asked back. Yeah, it was that, oh, I don't want to play anyway. Yeah, there's ego so and it, pride and yeah, all those you things. Know, like- but... Now, it was only then when you look back that I realised, you know, it's why would I be embarrassed about mm. that? Like, you know, and, um, you know, I'm not embarrassed about any of those things. And it's that's how I'm like, it took a few years to be able yeah. to talk about them, but I am. And, you know, then it was freedom. It was a release when I was like, yeah, I, f- I failed. And yeah, I, I got dropped and they took me off. I was crap. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, I would be always trying to put up a good guard yeah. and a good front. But, you know, now... Yeah, I don't, I don't need it, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a freedom. It's, it's release, and it's just great. Yeah, that's, it's one of the, that's one of the biggest themes that have come across a lot of these conversations is about people just trying to get to whatever phase they need to get to, and everyone's authentic, like authentic version of themselves is different. Like, so it's so completely different. But like, 
that's grand. Like, yeah. Um, and I genuinely like thank you for that, that insight on that. I suppose because I think a lot of people will relate to that in, in different walks of life and, and from different from different stages. I was going to finish up just sort of. Um, I suppose there's a top level question too around ladies' GA at the moment. Um, I think obviously 2017 was quite a was quite a strong year. I think where there was a significant, there was change in maybe mentality or if it was there was certainly more positivity around the coverage of it and a bit more insight. Um, I suppose how comfortable are you at, at that at the stage of life you're at now, being that sort of being one of those strong voices? I know you're involved with WGPA, and I definitely I would have saw the video you did earlier on the year behind the player. And like through the leadership program, so you've become one of those voices that are asking for change and not just asking, expecting it and getting it. Um, like how comfortable are you in that and sort of, and what's it like to be involved in that process of change if you feel it? Uh, no, I think definitely there has been there has been huge strides made. Um, I think to be honest, ladies football has always kind of been the driving force. Mm. Um, I think that they're kind of ahead of the game a lot of the time with you know, their Tina G coverage yeah. with their sponsorship and their, you know, their sponsorship campaign with uh, Lidl was yeah. huge. So you're saying like Camogie needs to catch up on that to an extent? Camogie, yeah, definitely. Like Camogie was only in the press really in 2015 and 16 for negative. Mm. There was all negativity around it. And, you know, That was I, obviously the time you had to choose between playing one or the other. Yeah, choosing, like we had to choose... With Claire, five of us had to choose between playing a championship camogie match and a championship mm. football match. And then the same year, there was the coin toss between ourselves and Dublin to see who gets into an yeah. All-Ireland quarterfinal. And, you know, it was just negativity. And, mm. like, you know, it it obviously wasn't good for the sport and it wasn't good for promoting the game either. Like, you know, there was girls in our team who'd been training all year and obviously it was very frustrating then for them. And, you know, even ourselves, like I was commuting up and down from Sligo at the time yeah. and then to not even be able to play a championship match mm-hmm. uh, was really, was really difficult. But, you know, there has been huge change and there has been huge progress. We, um, with having the games televised, all the knockout games televised, I think was a huge, was a huge uh, progression because people got to see that it is, yeah. you know, that the standard is there, like, and the skill level is there and it is going in the right direction anyway. And um, I think... In terms of being, you know, uh, leading it or, you know, being a voice for it, you know, we're really lucky with the resource that we have in the WGPA. They have done Trojan work, you know, Aoife Lane and Gemma Begley and everyone that's involved in it has done so much work um, in kind of highlighting the value and the worth of the the women's game that, you know, female athletes are putting in the same hours, you Mm -hmm. know, and getting a lot less of the rewards and and things like that so they have they have really kind of started the whole process I would say and um I don't know how much of a a voice I am for it but I do like it's a huge honor to be asked Mm. to to represent the WGPA or to represent Camogie or ladies football whether it's for Clare or on a national stage and um you know I'm delighted to to get that opportunity you know, because the game has given me so much and, mm. you know, I love it. And I have I do feel that I don't want any girly place for Clare to ever have to choose between playing yeah. camogie and football or for any other county. And the same thing, we just want the standards that are, you know, expected and we want, mm. we want certain things. And like, you know, there has been huge like huge breakthroughs in like, you know, the WGPA funding, the government, the government grant of 8,000 euros last year for every squad was mm. like, that was huge for us in Clare Camogie. You know, that was really what made us so, it made us a lot more professional in being able to access video analysis, being able okay. to access um, strength and conditioning all year round, being mm. able to access um, so many different kind of facilities like tracks and astroturfs and stuff and, you know, they have done so much for the game and I think it's also brilliant in that they have brought, like, I don't think I would have gotten an opportunity to to do any of these things um, if I was just waiting for based on my, you know, my success rate with Claire Kamoki yeah. because, yeah. you know, obviously there'll always be ambassadors like Breach Corkery mm-hmm. and Rena and Coruscant and everything because of how much they've won. But the WGPA have given an opportunity to people from so-called weaker counties you know and those girls are still putting in the hours like Mm -hmm. those girls are still working really hard and dedicating such a huge 
part of their life for it. And that's one thing is that they really value every player from, mm. you know, whether you're playing on a junior team or a senior team or whatever it is that yeah, if you're representing the collective, if you're represent, yeah, that it is. And it has really brought value to mm. the, you know, the junior championship and the intermediate championship because, you know, those girls are putting in all the work as well. And yeah. um, I think that is probably one of the best, one of the best things about the development at the moment that we're not just looking at All-Ireland final day with Cork and Kilkenny, sure. that now so many more players get to be represented and so many more players are getting recognition and getting these opportunities as well. Yeah, I think like you captured that sort of progression nicely and like, is it perfect? Absolutely not. And like the men's game is far from perfect either. That's a whole different conversation for a whole other day. Um, but I suppose what I was going to say, like so every like every couple of months, I know you said about the press covers there and I felt it was a lot better this year, but every couple of months there's like, you know, a report saying this many people are dropping out, this many young girls aren't playing anymore. Um, but just sort of challenging sort of back on that and your reference there sort of being a voice for WGPA and putting different faces forward and, and different voices but like, what are the things that sort of, like, what are the things, the biggest things you've got out of playing and what would, like, why would you encourage, if there is a young girl at home going, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep playing or not because this is going on, that's going on. Like, what would you say to them and to sort of try and get them to stay involved? Personally, I feel like I've gotten so much from it. I feel like, first of all, I think probably my best friends mm. are from it. You know, I've been playing, I've been playing with girls my whole life who, would definitely be some of my best friends and you know it's not always the girls I'm playing with like you know myself and and Chloe Moore would go and beat the heads off each other playing a club <laughs> game and you know we'll still literally the next day at clear trade we'll still be you know yeah. best of friends and we'll laugh about it and you know we'll just be showing off war wounds and stuff but <laughs> um I think the friendship and you know it is it's just such a great feeling to to put so much work into something and then to see, you know, like a success might not necessarily be winning the All-Ireland for, mm. it's not going to be for everyone. No. But, you know, like... And you, only one if, team can If you it, can like. see progression, do you mm. know what I mean? And that might be, right, we know, we know like that we have a good team this year now and like, you know, that might be small steps and, you know, it might be slow and it might not happen as fast as you want it. But mm. definitely it does make it so much easier to go back um, I, again, I think it's, it really does build character because, you know, it's not easy all the time and no. it is, you know, it shows you that if you set goals, that you have to set goals in order to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. And if you set them, if you go and look at how you're going to achieve them and put a good plan in place, I think anything is, is achievable. And that's something that I've brought to every aspect of my life now, you know, I have planned, you know, what I between what I'm going to eat this week to what I'm going to read this week to everything that I do like you know is 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 planned because I have goals in each one of those areas and in order to achieve them like you know I have to have a drive and things and I think those are characteristics that definitely sport have has given me and you know as well it's it's fitness and it's mm. just healthy and it's like I find definitely the minute that I have my so-called off season you know, my life changes from being, you know, totally on track to I can't wait to, to go back then yeah. eventually because, you know, there's only so much chocolate that you, <laughs> you can eat and enjoy and stuff like that. But um, definitely, I think, you know, the, there are so many benefits and I know I've only named a, a couple of them, yeah. but um, I think, you know, it's such a short opportunity and it's such a small window of, of when you can actually play and when you can give it your all. And really, you know, I I would definitely encourage every single person who has an opportunity to go. And especially if it's to represent your county or your club or whoever it is, you know, to go and make the most of it. Because the only regrets you will have will be not playing. You'll never say, oh, I regret playing that. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think definitely in my experience anyway, it's been the ones that I haven't played that have I've regretted. I never regret it having to drive to Kilkee for training or yeah. having to, you know, go and train for two hours or anything like that. Like, you know, it is, it's always, um, and it always seems harder than it is as well. Once you get into it, it just becomes routine. And of course, if, if I go and list out what I do in the week, it'll sound absolutely yeah. terrible and, you know, nobody would want to do it. But once you get into it, it's because you know that you're doing it for a reason and you're doing it for a cause and, it's a lot easier when you get into it anyway. 
As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. I'd just like to take this time to thank Carol for her honesty, for discussing those vulnerabilities and for sharing a number of incredibly valuable life lessons that I know many of you listening will relate to in some way, shape or form. If you did enjoy this episode, don't forget that there are 17 previous podcasts with top-class GA heroes like Kevin McMenamin, Bushy McConville, Amy McGee, Bridge Corkery, who sat down for an hour and had a real talk of their own. You can find them on iTunes or SoundCloud by searching for Real Talks, or just go to realtalks.ie to learn more. The podcast is going to be on a little break for the next two weeks as I'm out of the country, but I will be back with a couple more unique conversations this side of Christmas. Finally, a big thank you to the WGPA and Pat the Baker for supporting this podcast. Their partnership through the Be Healthy Whole Meal Loaf actively supports ladies football and camogie players in every inter-county squad. The WGPA Player Development Programme provides services such as scholarships, careers advice and counselling to help members be their best in both personal and professional lives. My name is Alan O'Mara and thanks for listening to the Real Talks podcast.